human first, everything else after. Welcome to What's Betwixt Us, stories of working while human. I'm Lissa Mandel. What's Betwixt Us is a series of conversations about empathy at work, at work. It's about diving into the messiness and the specificity of being human on the job, any job, and how empathy isn't just a nice-sounding buzzword for company PR. It's a rebellious act of remembering that we're human first, everything else after. Today on What's Betwixt Us, I have a conversation with international software-as-a-service sales whiz, Jacob Tuzgard. Jacob is the founder and CEO of Your Sales, whose mission is to help organizations all over the world, including Zany, to scale, reach goals, and connect products and solutions to the people who need them. Jacob was born in Denmark, lives in Amsterdam, has traveled widely, and speaks five languages. He approaches his work and his life with a posture of playfulness and curiosity. We talk about authenticity in sales, international psychology, and how living abroad makes people more accepting of other cultures. Please enjoy episode 37, Around the World with Jacob Tuzgard. back today with someone who is actually working with Zany pretty closely. He is the founder and CEO of Your Sales, which is uh, an, an amazing company that is helping organizations all over the world to scale, to grow, to reach their goals. And he himself is a very international person. I'm going to tell you his name, and then he's going to tell you the correct pronunciation of his name. But to me, he is Jacob or Jakob Tusgard. Hello, welcome. Hey, Lisa, good to meet you. <laughs> it is. Well, tell me, tell the people how you would pronounce your name the way that the way that you first learned it. So in Denmark, I would go by under the name Jakob Tuskor. And uh, I do indeed run your sales. We help companies with their revenue anywhere in the world. And uh, there are a couple of different uh, services that we provide, depending on where they're at from a growth perspective. And they are a little bit of consulting to help them figure out their unique way of selling. Conversation generation, which is what it says on the tin, generating conversations with the kinds of people that people need to speak with in the kinds of organizations they want as clients. And then finally, we provide sales professionals also anywhere in the world who can help close the kinds of deals and the kinds of customers that our customers would want to have. Working in their teams as either literally as part of the team as an employee or as if they were part of the team as an employee, but externally contracted. doesn't really matter. What matters is the dedication and the commitment and the skill to carry out the task at hand. Amazing. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I do. Been, it, been doing it for almost nine years now. And of course, B2B sales. Uh, every time I need to talk about how long I've been doing B2B sales, it's longer than I care to remember or longer than I care to be reminded about because it some, <laughs> sometimes also reminds you of your age, yes? So, uh, yeah. Well, so, um, yeah. I love, I, you know, it's so clear as soon as I, as soon as you start talking to you, that as soon as I start talking to you, that you are somebody who has a sense of humor. So you're very serious about what you do. You're very good at what you do, but you bring this sort of playful, like puckish manner. And I, I think that this is a great jumping off point to talk about empathy 
in sales because I think frequently people divide those two things in their brain. Like they can't, like there's no part of the Venn diagram that, that it overlaps. And I was wondering hmm. if you could- What do you mean? What, which Venn diagram, which circles? Sales and humor? No, sales and empathy. Because I think that- What? Well, well, this is why I think it's really good for me to talk to you because I think that we have, we come from such different angles here. And for me, I've always felt allergic to sales. Like it's something that I have to do. It's something that I've had to do as an actor and a comedian selling myself. I've had to do it for businesses that I've worked for, but it, there's something always about it that feels inauthentic to me just because that's how I'm wired. But I feel like this is something that is your wheelhouse and it's, there's, there's a persuasion involved in sales that you have to be persuasive without being slimy. And I wonder like how you feel about that, what your tricks are for that. Is there any part of you that's that, do you know what I'm talking about? Or is this completely- I don't, I think I do. I th look, I think there are a couple of things that <clears throat> I think are, so first of all, all of this stuff gets bundled together, right? Sales is sales, full stop, right? And, and to most people, that's, that's it. But there's a difference between uh, selling to consumers and selling to businesses and there's and uh, and within just b2b sales which is what i do there's a big difference between selling toothpaste in bulk and selling a bridge to a country but right. yet they're both b2b sales right uh, and so and and so i operate in the part of b2b sales which is relatively complex and relatively expensive where you sell new technology to organizations so in this part of sales the parts that are about persuasion and are about quote unquote tricks, they don't play a very large role because of the way that sales has evolved over the past. And I think probably the, well, since the internet, uh, internet basically, and since commercialization of the internet, big time across the entire world for the past 25 years. And the way that it has evolved is that where in the past salespeople would hold all the information and that would be the reason for you as a buyer to speak to somebody in sales, mm -hmm. right? In the past where sales hold, held all the information, you would rely on sales to provide you with correct information. Mm -hmm. And then came the internet, everybody had all the information. And right. so what your, and, and so if we fast forward today to today, there's now so much information that it, that it can be rather difficult to make sense of it all. And so as a buyer, what you need now from sales is you need somebody who can provide situational insight based on that information, right? So which means that sales is now no longer just uh, information pushing. It is insight pushing. It's value driven. It's if you come to me with a problem and you say that you want to solve that problem, then I will tell you that I know how to solve it or I don't know how to solve it. And if I, if I do know how to solve it, I will probably be able to provide different perspectives on how that problem is solved, right? That, that's the big difference. That means that you end up having a conversation which is about your problem from all sorts of perspectives. Mm -hmm. And then after that conversation, you can go and pick which one sounds best to you. And maybe it's not the one that, uh, that I came up with. Maybe you don't even want to listen to what I, what, what I have to say because you think that, that the way I tell my story is not authentic. And that is why it's important for salespeople also to generate an authentic relation with their potential and current clients mm -hmm. so that they can establish themselves as an authority in their field.
but the whole point must be to be authentic because if you're not authentic people will look like people will look right through it right yeah and so if you're not authentic then you won't be able to get to the point where you establish yourself as a as an authority within your field because people won't want to speak with you long enough mm -hmm. that you can do that right and so, and so I think, in, so in my view, sales is entirely about being authentic mm. and entirely about being honest and, and in a professional way, help people make better decisions for themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what, that, so that's what sales is about for me. And if you do that, and especially if you get known for that, then they will help you. And sometimes they'll help you in ways that don't make you their client. And sometimes they'll make you, they'll help you for free. And sometimes it's, uh, it'll cost something, but the main aim must always be to be helped. Mm. Oh, I like that. I like that perspective. I think that's really nice. And yeah, well, obviously this is why our company is working with you because this is- I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. Look, we have, we have, we've had some of these conversations as well about what is sales. And I, yeah, I always especially with founders of companies who have not themselves done a whole lot of sales in the past. I, I have a lot of pushback about them doing, uh, about them doing sales because they don't see themselves as salespeople. Right. They don't see themselves as, uh, as someone who they don't, they've not learned the, you know, the, the tips and they haven't listened to the tips and they haven't learned the tricks and the persuasion side and the black magic and whatever else they think sales is. And at the end of the day, I think that in, especially initially, founders of companies are the best salespeople out there because they have created a solution to a problem. And in creating that solution, they have been all around that problem several times over yes. to figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. So they can talk at great length with people who are trying to solve the same problem mm -hmm. about why, what works and what doesn't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it definitely comes from a uh, passion. And I think Jumana, our founder, and I are very similar in this way, where we get very passionate about something and we want to talk about it all day long. Yeah. But as soon as it becomes, as soon as it becomes trying to get money from someone, we crumble, we completely shut down. And, and I think that's where the, that's where the dissonance comes in about like, is it possible to truly be empathetic while asking somebody for money but like the way that you're talking about it is that it's not ever really about asking somebody for money it's about no it's about yeah helping them it's about exactly them. and then you can of course and it's and, and at the end of it because you're having that conversation it's completely fair to then ask so now we've been speaking about this for a while I've shared all of these kinds of uh, these kinds of different kinds of, of ways to solve this problem. You know what I think is the best way of solving it. What do you think? What do you want to do? What you know? What, where's your thinking at at this point in time? And what would you like to do next? And then at that point, you really you really leave it to whoever it is you're having that conversation with to have some think uh, some some thoughts of their own on how they want to solve the problem. And if you have done your work right and been transparent about positioning the different kinds of solutions and or presenting the different kinds of solutions and you're thinking about what works and what doesn't, mm -hmm. then it is not entirely unlikely that getting that client on board is a non-event. 
it's just the next logical step in that dialogue. Mm -hmm. You're a very logic based person, aren't you? Yep. <laughs> I yeah. That's another reason why I was excited to talk to you and I saw your LinkedIn profile, you are an athlete. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just all these things that are the total opposite of me, which makes me so fast. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that's true. Yeah. Well, I wonder, so, you know, you work very internationally, you work with companies yeah. all over the world. And I wonder what you've collected in terms of like, do you change your presentation according to like the style of how business is done in different countries? Or have you found a universal way to connect to people regardless of where they are? I think I, I generally connect with people in the same way. And I think there's some, I, I think there are a lot of things that there are more things that connect us than set us apart really. And some of the things that are, I think universal are that humans, human beings are happy to connect with other human beings, right? And so, mm -hmm. so if you're presenting an authentic human self and just trying to help people out and, you, and, and you're consistent in that, with that message, then eventually people will, will, will end up believing that. And if they don't, then maybe they're not the kind of individual you want to have your conversation with. But, um, but so I, so I think by and far, most people buy into that particular part. And then you can communicate in different kinds of ways and you can do different kinds of jokes with different kinds of people from different parts of the world, right? Mm -hmm. So in Europe, you can make endless jokes about Americans and that doesn't <laughs> necessarily work in the US where you right. need to tread a little bit more carefully and vice versa, right? You can make, uh, you can, you can, you can make uh, in the US, you can make uh, jokes about how well or not so much the Europeans understand where the states are, you know, like uh, you do know that North Carolina is north of South Carolina, those kinds <laughs> of things. And you, you know, you can, you can do that. And if you really want to tweak your communication style, I find that in the US, you've got to be more to the point. You, there's not a whole lot of beating about the bush. It's uh, pretty much straight to the point. Oh, that's interesting. Someone told me actually, someone, I, I don't know if somebody told me that or I read it somewhere that back when Europeans moved West and started discovering the US, the way that that was done was you didn't know where you were going. It was all just empty space. So what you would do is you would rush to a location, then you'd see if it worked out. And if it wouldn't work out, then you'd rush through to another location. Mm -hmm which translates to getting to the point and seeing if something sticks is super important. And if it doesn't, learn it quick and move on. I find that that translates fairly well to how Americans do things today. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit impatient and. Uh, I don't know about that. I don't think impatient. I just think because there, there, there are benefits to it as well, right? Means that there's a there's they that Americans are less risk less risk averse, so right. they can accept more risk. They don't necessarily need to know that this is going to be successful, but they need to but they do need to know that we are doing this uh, full on and learning from it quickly and moving on from it if we need to. Oh, that's interesting. And over here, there's people are generally speaking more risk averse generally speaking 
and maybe a little bit less interested in trying out new things, more interested in sticking with what they know, even if it doesn't work anymore. But um, yeah. Wow, this is super. I didn't expect to have a conversation about psychology, but this is super interesting. Oh, true. Um, psychology. It's also just history and how hundreds of years of history shapes how we do things. Yeah, which makes me wonder, you know, because I frequently, I frequently, I have some wanderlust and I frequently wish that I were somewhere else from where I was and, and have, think about moving to Europe all the time. And I wonder how the pandemic has maybe shifted people's psychology from what you've seen so far, because this idea of people being risk averse and doing things according to what's, what has worked in the past I mean, this is sort of like the same kind of thing I deal with with the generational divide, like when I'm speaking to my parents and they have the, a way that they've done things and the way mm -hmm. that all their ancestors have done things. Yeah. And I am very different from them and doing things in a different right. way. And sometimes I question myself because I'm like, I'm not the one with the wisdom or the age they are. However, with what's happened in the past year and a half, it sort of seems like what has worked in the past is no longer as relevant like that but people are going to have a more future a future oriented point of view and i wonder if you could speak to that at all what you've noticed whether they have a future point of view as opposed to yeah or, or if people are more open-minded to people who who normally would do the traditional thing are trying new things because of what's happened in the past year and a half you know, some people are going to be early adopters, then there's going to be a bunch of people that just tag along when time's right. And, right. and, and I think that that has not really changed. I think there's still, there are still people who will put their head in the sand when, sure. you know, and they'll, and, and they'll still do it for the, for the same reasons as they used to. Uh, that, I don't think that's changed a whole lot. I do think that people who are forward thinking, I, you know, let me give you an example. So especially from our, from, from, from some of the business that we do with, with generating conversations to people mm -hmm. back in sort of in April and May of last year, everybody went into lockdown and the methods for generating conversations didn't quite work in the way that they used to, because nobody was manning the reception. And uh, if they did, they weren't able to connect to anybody because they weren't there. They weren't at their at their desk. They were on their mobile phones, and in some cases, that that's beyond the switchboard, and they didn't want to share. And, and so, people were a lot less easy to connect with in the old ways. Whereas, if you were to take to socials, uh, to to social networks, especially professional social networking, people would be quite open to network there. And in fact, they still are. And I think now what we have is we have. Now we're sort of revolving back to going to back to the offices in some places, or uh, partly going back to offices, and um, which also generates all sorts of interesting uh, problems, I think. But anyway, so or challenges at least. Uh, but anyway, so um, so so that means that now when you need to reach out to people, you you can we found out which we already knew, but very few were doing that a multi-channel approach probably works best, so that you do a combination of calling and emailing and doing LinkedIn and maybe you know, coming by or sending a present or whatever else works in, no, but really the, the sales, sort of sales tech solutions that do that, that make it possible for you to stay, uh, sort of send a, a little note with a, with a small, you know, if you're with a small gift, look, if you're selling a bridge to a country, then, you know, then the cost of whatever little 
gimmicky gift is quite all right. Okay, this is very random. Do you, did you watch did you watch the show Arrested Development? Any of it? No. no. So it's hilarious. It's very silly. It is one of my favorite shows on TV. And there's a character in it who who is he's an actor. Like he plays it. He's an actor on the show, but he's yeah. like a really clueless enthusiastic but like totally overbearing actor and in one episode he sends care packages to casting directors or agents like envelopes stuffed with glitter which is like as an actor I will tell you that is a huge no-no like you do not do that and there are eggshells that you have to step on that you're enthusiastic and you want to show risk you know you want to show interest but you don't want to be a weirdo because then no one will hire you and so I wonder in your line of work with this, like this, the, the various types of communication, how do you find a balance of like, what is the appropriate amount to reach out? I mean, this is your, this is your field of expertise. Like, yeah, you, you test it out. You test it. Balance? Yeah, you test it. Yeah. And you need to test it for each individual business and each sort of each target group for that business. Because mm-hmm. what might work for one business may, will, may, may not work for the for, for, for another business, even if it's the, the same kind of people they're reaching out to in the same kinds of businesses, right? So, so if company A reaches out to CFOs in insurance companies of a particular size, they may have huge success and a different company that reaches out to those same people mm-hmm. may not have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So you got to test it. You can't just go ahead and you know, go around assuming that you know, not even based on uh, experience, you can't you can't assume anything. I had someone. I had a conversation very recently with somebody who, who, who said that uh, you know when generally speaking we say, when you send an invitation to somebody on LinkedIn, absolutely include a message because otherwise people won't connect. She told me that her experience was and the numbers she had the numbers to back it up, mm-hmm. that what worked best for her was to not write a message. Mm-hmm. And so, which goes to show that you need to test everything yeah yeah that's interesting i i tend to when i'm connecting with someone not for not for zany but for me personally i don't include a message Mm. and i think it's because of how i am oriented as a person where if somebody connects with me and they don't include a message i am more apt to accept them because in my head I'm thinking about, I, I get excited by not knowing what the opportunities on the other side right. are. So it's like a gamble, right? It's like, it's like playing the lottery, whereas other people might be a little more, as you said, risk averse or paranoid, or what does this person want from me? I need them yeah. to be straightforward. Um, I don't know. I, by the way, I think that also people who send you a message, you still don't know what the opportunities are. Even if they say what the opportunities are, you still don't know. Because you don't know until you get into a conversation. You go, you have no idea until you engage. Especially also if you come at it from the other side, if you see it from a sales perspective, you people are very allergic to being sold to. Yes. And as a seller, and 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 as a seller, you get this a lot, right? Yeah, I get a lot of responses from people saying, Yeah, I'm fine with connecting, just don't sell me anything. I'm like, what could I possibly sell you based on the very little information I have about your life right now. <laughs> Nothing. In a world where sales is about, if, if, you know, my world is about 
positioning yourself as an authority within your field so that people will listen to you so that they'll let you talk about the problem uh, the, the a problem that you solve from different angles so that maybe they'll become customers right so i have to have all of these different things happen in order for people to come on board as a customer which also means I, my only approach before going in must be i don't know nothing i have to speak with people to really on this i can have some assumptions about whether they may have the problem that i can solve but uh, and 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 i may be able to assume that they're interested in that particular problem i do not know whether they think they have that problem right now and i especially don't know if it has priority so without having a dialogue with people and um, and trying to figure out what is going on in their particular world right now uh, be it uh, in particular in business but also privately I have basically no way of knowing, and thus I have nothing to sell. And people who don't see sales sort of in the same way as I do, I think, will then have a tendency, will therefore have a tendency because they don't see it like that, right? Okay. They see it differently. They see a sales rep and they think they're going to be get sold to. Yeah, because it's because uh, what you're talking about is curiosity and being present and letting the relationship unfolds step by step. Yeah. And I think a lot of people immediately jump way into the future and are like, oh, well, if this is point A, then point G all the way over there is gonna be being sold to. And they skip over the whole middle thing. And I think that a lot of people, whether they know it or not, I happen to just to just know it and it's maybe makes me not a very good business person, but when I'm connecting with somebody, I want to connect with somebody because I want to be connected with on a deep level. I care so much more about the one-on-one -on -one human connection than about making any business happen. This is why I'm a terrible business person. But like when I, I think the reason why if somebody sends me a LinkedIn connect, I accept it. I'm excited about a deep conversation that I might have with somebody who's a stranger now, but soon yeah. will be a stranger. Do you know exactly. what I mean? Yeah, me too. Yeah. I do that a lot. And then people will say, yeah, but what do you want to talk about? And I say, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. It's a call to get acquainted or it's a call to catch up and hear how you're doing. And that's it. Yeah. And some people go, I don't have time for that. Right. Wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't have time to get, get acquainted with people. All right. That's fine. Then I'll, then I'll talk to some of my other LinkedIn connections. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. really, if, if, you know, if people, if the horse doesn't want to drink, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, have you always been like this, open and curious and, and ready to connect with people from a whole variety of backgrounds? Does that come from your upbringing? I think that's a difficult question, too, because uh, you, you would then have to say, so how was I... What, how was I when I was younger? I have no idea anymore. But uh, always in sales, for sure. Always in business. I've, I, I think I've always, I left Denmark back in 2000 in order to work in Luxembourg and subsequently a couple of years later to move to the Netherlands where I live now. And one of the reasons for me to go abroad was that I think that the way, the, the main way to, to really Learn and understand about other cultures is to live there, 
I think that if you go on a two-week holiday somewhere, then you see some nice things and you have some nice experiences and holidays like that are super valuable, but you don't really get under the skin of the uh, people that are that are living there. You don't really get to see and understand the culture, right? You gotta immerse yourself more into into the culture in order to really understand what's going on. Yeah. And so I enjoy a lot what I do right now in terms of having conversations with uh, with people from literally all over the world. So, um, except Africa. I enjoy Africa too, by the way, but I just don't have a, have merit, merit. The software as a service companies aren't particularly interested in Africa at this point in time. Got you. Well, hopefully that will be changing. Yep, I mean, that will be great. I love it. And, you know, to, to the listeners who can't see you, you know, you, your background is this big world map, which I think is so yeah. appropriate. And what we were speaking about, you know, before we started recording was this idea of, you know, COVID ushering in this time where everybody can see each other's spaces where they are yeah. and make judgments yep. according to that and I, I I imagine that working with such a variety of people from all over the world makes you a more open-minded person and uh accepting of, of a variety of of approaches and perspectives and I wonder if you could share anything about that, like how it has made you more of a people person to live abroad, to work internationally. Look, if we would all be, if we, if, if everybody had been abroad in their lives, living somewhere else, we would have a world that would be more accepting of people from, from, from other cultures. Absolutely. I use an example. So in most countries where you have refugees, you see that those refugees bundle up, right? They, they seek out each other in, 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 and live sort of in the same neighborhoods and the same cities and whatnot. And locals frown upon that. Yet when those same locals export themselves and become expats, they do exactly the same. Mm-hmm. And precisely the same. They start to form little little Facebook groups of the locals that are in that area and they catch up with people who understand their own culture and eat the same food and all that kind of stuff. They do exactly the same. And in the process as well, they also see other cultures and, uh, and get an impression of other people being, you know, maybe not so different from them at all. And they do certain things differently, but that doesn't mean that they're like a different kind of human being. That right. it, they're not from a different planet. Right. They're also just human beings with different kinds of, uh, with, with just different kinds of customs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think you realize that when you are abroad and so you get a more, I think you get a more, I think you broaden your horizon when you move abroad. I think everybody, it, I almost think it should be mandatory. Mm-hmm. I love it. Just go live abroad for a couple of years. Feel free to come back. Also feel free to not come back, but people would be more appreciative of all sorts of backgrounds if they would do that because they would be forced to see something else than their own, than their own neighborhood. Right. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, and uh, maybe to a fault because I, I'm a Sagittarius, which means that I want to travel all the time. I just yeah. have a very intense wanderlust. I always want to be somewhere else. And the past few months, I've been sort of back and forth with my partner who, you know, we live in New York and he, 
does not want to leave New York and I am just dying to go anywhere else. I just want to see and experience something else. But I will say that if I have to live in one place, New York sort of encompasses a ton of cultures and the neighborhood that I live in in Queens is the most diverse neighborhood in the actual world. So, but I, I agree that traveling is, is the thing that has helped me learn and grow more than anything else. It's really humbling. And uh, yeah. So it makes sense what you do. It makes sense what you do. It's good fun. And then, and I think, I think that people, people come together. Also now people come together from all sorts of, with all sorts of backgrounds and, and, and from different cultures and, and, and also, also, especially we now have a lot of the, all of these video calls, people come in with all sorts of backdrops that are, that are sort of businessy and that are not so businessy and, uh, and, and people that are, it is almost as if the backgrounds, you, you mentioned the map and uh, that being appropriate, but people come into these video calls with all sorts of backgrounds, you know, literal, literal background backdrops to the call, right? Some people are just not aware, right? They're just uh, blissfully unaware that yeah. they're sending, that they're communicating a lot more than just themselves. Yes. That the surroundings that they have is also tells something about something and it can be interpreted in all sorts of ways. That's true. And you can't really, you can't stop other people from thinking what they think. I mean, this is one of the main things that I learned in therapy way, way back is you can't control Correct. other people's feelings about you certainly Um, not feelings they can hardly control them themselves i mean yes that's true that's true but the interpretations happen naturally you can't stop it and and for instance for listeners you know i'm in my bedroom right now which is not it's very colorful but i have a towel hanging over there i have some you know odds and ends on the bureau and it's a little bit of a mess but i also i feel like it's a it's a reflection of who I am, which is just like always in motion, doing lots of things, lots of colors. And I want to invite people into my space, but yeah. a lot of people don't feel comfortable inviting people into their space in that way, but they don't really have a choice right now. If we're on no. video. Well, they do somewhat. I mean, this is super easy. Let me just show you here this year. I'm, what I'm doing right now is I'm picking down a hook uh-huh. and I'm just uh, flicking a green ah. screen over my background. So this is this is a green screen, right? So yep. it's uh, so I can so I can also using my computer, I can project literally any video anything. source onto this as a background. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> and and people can do this really really easily. I don't do it that much because it's <laughs> too much work for my uh, for my <laughs> uh tried and tested laptop here but um <laughs> but uh but if i had a stronger machine then it would be no problem then i would probably do it all the time because it's kind of it's kind of funky that i can i can i can meet customers literally with a meeting room backdrop with their logo on it and uh, and that's that's sort of funny because people don't expect that it's just uh, right. giving something that is unexpected and a little little out of the ordinary and if we can make it a little fun then that would be great because video calls are crap i know i agree terrible so anything to you know spice it up a little is great i love that i love that i hope you never lose that i think that that edge that little surprise what makes you a really likable and trustworthy person thank you yeah listen i've had a great time talking to you i feel like i could talk to you all day you're very entertaining oh wow thank you (laughs) 
would you uh, let the listeners know if they want to learn more about you or what you do, where they can find you? If they can spell my name, they can find me on LinkedIn. They should feel free to connect. <laughs> I'm always, I'm in particular, always happy to have a conversation around sales because I love this craft. It's, um, which is what it is. Eh? It's like, a, mm. it's, it's, uh, it's much like being a carpenter with a toolbox with tools in it. And you've got to know when to apply what and do and, and do the things you do. And so I just, from a sort of professional perspective, as a craftsman, I enjoy having conversations about how we do what we do as salespeople in this world, in particular for B2B sales that, uh, you know, of a complex nature. That is exciting stuff. It sounds super boring, but uh, I love it. I've so, never thought um, of it as a craft. I love that. It is. A, of course, it's a craft. Everything else you you know, marketing is a craft and, uh, you know, procurement is a craft and being a top leader is a craft. Of course, sales is a craft. Of course it is. But most people don't roll into sales as a craft. They, they sort of speak well mm-hmm. and then sort of because they, maybe they don't have any other options or someone thought they might be good for sales, they sort of just roll into it. There's no education. There's, there's very little formal education for sales. Mm-hmm. I've seen... There's some of it here in the Netherlands. There is, uh, I came across a, an American university recently that had a B2B sales line. There's a, uh, there's a B2B sales, B2B sales education as well in Sweden that I know of. So, so, so they're, they're coming. And the yeah. reason they're coming is that there's a requir- there's a need for formally trained people who understand what sales is and can adhere to best practices and can know methodology, understand tools, understand structures of cause and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. So, uh, yeah, so, 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 it, so sales is definitely a craft and, but not everybody treated as a craft, which is, I think, why it has such a poor name. So yeah. beyond just being, if, so if people uh, can spell my name, they can just connect with me on LinkedIn and on yoursales.com, they should feel free to go and have a look at the, uh, they should go and free, feel free to go and have a look at the website. There's also a, a link to set up uh, a little time to talk. And, uh, and uh, like I said, I'm happy to have a conversation about sales. I love it. I love it. I mean, or just have conversation with you because you're a good conversationalist. Um, thank you. And, you too. Uh, thank you. So I always end these conversations with a question from the Zany database of questions. That oh. Really nothing to do with what we've talked about thus far, but this is how we roll to get to know people in a different way. So the question sure. that I've chosen for you today is, which season makes you feel most alive and why? You mean sort of uh, summer, winter, spring or fall? Uh-huh. The changing of seasons. Mm. I'm sorry, but not one of them, but the changing <laughs> of seasons. The in-between. The, the changing itself, because they're so different. I, uh, so I would, when I was... When I lived in Luxembourg, I lived in a ninth floor apartment with a view to a valley, which has tr- had trees all over it. And every single uh, season had a different set of colors, right? Mm-hmm. And, that was, and they were all great, right? They were all great colors. And what was most fascinating was that they were changing and that they all were different and that each change brings with it a bunch of different things, right? Now it's the season of this and that and the other. And I have that now as well, where 
I can probably mostly, I mean, my business doesn't have it so much, but, but where you mentioned me doing sports and, and, and my sports are different. I do different things during winter than I do during summer, because during summer, you can be more outside. Whilst as soon as we go into the fall and the winter, it gets cold outside and I'll, I'll move inside and start doing indoor sports instead. And it brings with it a slightly different kind of training at regimen. And it's cool because I'll, during a season, I'll eventually get a little tired of doing sports in that particular way towards the end of the season. So I welcome the change. Okay. Because, like because it'll be a signal for me to now it's time to move on with this here different scheme that I also look forward to because I've been away from it for so long. Right. Right. So yeah, I can see you thriving in the, in the newness, in the consistent newness. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know if you'd like living in Los Angeles very much. I have actually, honestly, that's one of the things I, that's, one of the things I need to uh, work on is be, having been more in the U.S. at all. So, uh, so I have no idea what, what LA is like uh, or New York for that matter. And those, uh, and I've been traveling all over Europe and uh, quite a bit in Asia, mm-hmm. a little bit in Africa, but but I, I've, and and also a little bit in the Caribbean. But I've only been in transit in New York, mm-hmm. I think. That was it. Well, come on, come on over and uh, you'll reinvent yourself, I'm sure. Ah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I will. I will. When I, when I get the chance, they, they, uh, I have a couple of girls. They both want to go to New York at some point. So. Oh, good. Well, you let us know when you're over here. Of course. <laughs> of course. Well, we'll do. Jacob, Although Jacob. you might be out doing a walkabout somewhere from the from 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 the sound of it probably that's kind of exploring the world all all day long (laughs) yeah nice yes i love it well it was delightful to speak to you and we'll be speaking so much more hopefully thank you for enlightening me thanks for your time yeah yeah thanks for tuning in to episode 37 of what's betwixt us stories of working while human to tap into Jacob's fascinating brain and to learn how his team can help your organization reach its goals, please visit yoursales.com. What's Betwixt Us is powered by Zany, designed to build trust and authentic human connection in remote workspaces. More at zanie.app. Human first, everything else after. Human first, everything else after.